For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Like servants waiting for the master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at a table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must be ready also, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. It's not hard to notice that Jesus ministered among those who were often bogged down, tied down, even imprisoned at times by their own circumstances or experiences. And it is understandable that that is true. And so much so, though, at times, that it made it hard for them to see spiritual things well, to see that God was with them. He ministered among those who were worried who were fearful for their, their life, their possessions, and, and even their own salvation. And as a result, there were times when they missed the mark on a lot of things, missed seeing how God was among them or how God wanted to be among them. And it can be the same with you and, and me, I believe. And in looking at the Gospels over the next four to five weeks, it, it made me mindful that there are many times that we need to, to step away, to step outside and to separate ourselves from our, our routine concerns and so that we might gain a better perspective. And, and for me, coming to church is, is one of those ways that we step away. We step into God's presence in a more intentional way. Now, there are several places in the Bible that tell us, or we read, where God's people are, are lifted up, lifted out of something, or away for something, or towards something. For example, in Psalm 24, verse 7, we read a passage that we might be familiar with when, when Advent season comes, especially that first week of Advent. Lift up your heads, ye gates. Be lifted up, ancient doors, that the King of glory may enter. Reminds that you and I must have heads up and, and being prepared for God to enter in. Or if you look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel used this lifted up phrase maybe more than most when he wrote that he was lifted up by the Spirit away from things like fear or bitterness and anger. And so my hope is that as we come to worship, that we will, that we'll step away from our routine, step away from our lives, and into the gospel stories so that God might lift us up above 
what we might need lifting up from. And so that we can think of realities or circumstances or obligations that we have in our lives that so occupy us that it's hard to see beyond them. Can you think of those things, those things in your life that, that make it hard for you to see beyond what you're going through? I can, and I bet you can too. And so today we're going to zero in on fear and how fear can be that which we need to be lifted up from. Now, we are at a place in Luke's gospel where we find several reminders to not be worried and to, to not be afraid. That said, it has been my experience that when we tell someone, don't be afraid, it might indeed cause them to be fearful. I'll use my dog as a good lesson in that. Our dog's name is Hannah. And Hannah is terrified of fireworks and storms. And this happened last night, or yesterday late afternoon, actually. But when she hears the slightest roll of thunder, or the faintest pop of a firecracker, even, she's gone. She's hiding out somewhere. She, she'll leave, and she goes to find a small, dark space. And last night, it was an upstairs closet, and you looked in the closet, and there was this dog leg hanging out. And she stayed there until the coast was clear. An hour later, she came down to join us again. But if we hear it, and she doesn't, and we know she's going to be afraid of it, we're apt to say, okay, Hannah, it's going to be okay. That's worse. <laughs> that makes her way more afraid than if she actually heard it, and she's gone even quicker. She stays away even longer. I share that because I think, and for me growing up through the years, stories like this frightened me. Jesus said, don't be afraid, and then I hear these things that were well, kind of fearful, and for those, this, some of us, this may be particularly a fearful passage when it says, sell your possessions and give it to the poor. If you've worked tirelessly for what you've earned, if you've pulled yourself out of, of hard times, this isn't very comforting. Or if, as the old country song says, if you often feel like there's too much month at the end of the money, this can be a very disconcerting thing to hear Jesus say. Or what about those warnings towards the end? And these were the ones that scared me as a kid and into my adulthood. What about this idea of not being caught unprepared in the hour that the Son of Man returns? That's foreboding. What does it mean to be ready, first of all? And second of all, do I know if I'm ready enough? What does it mean to be really ready? Because I want to be really ready. What if I'm not at my best in that hour? Has anybody had their not best time, their best hour before in life? Yeah, me too. I, I hope that's not when Jesus pops in on me <laughs> like a thief in the night. But I have to say, when I hear that story in, in, in that filter and thinking of it that way, what I actually hear is, don't be afraid, little flock, unless that is, you forget or mess up or, or don't do what I'm telling you. So I have to ask. Is this how Jesus wants us to hear the story? I cannot think so. It seems to be the very opposite of what Jesus says he wants for us from the get-go, from verse 32, to not be afraid. But how often do we choose fear? How often do we use fear to motivate? And even as we teach about the coming of Christ, 
Let's look at verse 32 a bit closer. And let's assume today that, in fact, Jesus does not want us to be afraid. There are three points in verse 32 that I think that are helpful here in understanding the kingdom. And first, notice, Luke says that it is God's pleasure to give us the kingdom. So right off the bat, we see this, there's this, this, this positive nature of God here. And God is generous, and God is not limiting. Secondly, Luke speaks in the past tense when he says that God has been pleased to give you the kingdom, meaning it's already come to us. And thirdly, as a result, the kingdom, it cannot only be about eternal life in the great by and by, it refers to God's reign here and now and forever. So what we see here is that this is a, it pleases God to give us the kingdom. It, God is generous in giving it, and the kingdom is here even if not in fullness. And as a result, Jesus turns upside down any notion that we can earn our work or be ready enough for God's favor. It reminds me of a bumper sticker that maybe you've seen over the years that says, Jesus is coming, look busy. I don't think that's what he wants of us. It is funny, but sometimes isn't this what our approach to God's kingdom looks like? But when we can see that God has already decisively and lovingly, pleasantly acted on our behalf in Christ through his life, his birth, and his death, and his resurrection, Maybe it can change how we read or feel or understand this lesson today. This teaching is about much more than being sure that we've done everything that we can to get to heaven. It is not here to make us fearful of being left behind. But the difficulty for us in seeing that sometimes is, I think, that we live in a culture that is often based on reciprocal relationships. We are familiar with give-and-take relationships, earning our keep and justifying our existence. But that is not the way of the kingdom. And for sure, it is not a way of freely living our lives. It's based on fear. And one of the other problems we may have at times is maybe sometimes we feel like we need to be afraid or need to be anxious. It's true for me at times. We can be afraid that if we let our guard down, someone or, or something will come along and take what we treasure or get the upper hand on us. Maybe we think we need to be afraid because if we're not afraid, as one person writes, we, that's how we think we maintain our defenses. That's how we stay ready is, is fear helps us to be ready so that something bad will not happen or we won't let it happen. But they go on to say, you know, that's kind of like carrying around an umbrella on a sunny day. This does not coincide with what Jesus says. Jesus says, do not be afraid. And I want to believe him. I want to believe that's what he wants for us and of us. And recall that in the story, when the master shows up, the master shows up in a servant's apron to serve those who serve him 
and he did not come lording it over them. And this sounds very much like Jesus saying that I did not come to be served, but to serve. It reminds us that when we come to this table of what Jesus did after the Last Supper, he took his robe off, he tied it around his waist, and he, and he washed the feet of the disciples. And he said, if you wanted the world to see the kingdom, do this for one another. This is the very same kingdom Jesus wants us to see today. And herein lies, for me, the grace of today's reading. And we see that fear is a thief that takes. God is a servant that gives. And yes, we must be ready. We must be ready for God's returning, but so that we can be ready to, to see it and to celebrate it and to, and to live into it and to, to step into it because we know it when we see it. And those who wait on the Lord expecting their status, their stuff, or the good works to gain favor, safety, or advantage are only living in fear. We're asked to give alms, to give to the church, to, to give to those in need, not to please God or to save our souls. We give alms. We're generous because God has already been generous to us. And we know that there's joy in being generous as God has been towards us. These are the treasures in heaven that will never fail. This is what we mean when we say that for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I believe and we believe that God shows up not once, but every day. We're apt to see God at work in, in every moment. And to be ready for that every day and every moment means that we cannot allow fear to keep us from seeing how true this is. And in a way, this story is as much about what we see as it is about what we do. There was once a wise communications professor who wanted her students to, uh, to be part of an observation exercise and, and paying attention and, and reading things in the world without words, you might say. She handed out a picture of an elderly man sitting on the steps in front of a building and a young woman stood to his right looking down, but also near the man was a child in front of them both, and that's where their eyes were fixed. And the professor asked them, asked the students, what do you see? What do you think is happening here? And one student said the child and the woman are, are caring for the old man. And another student said, no, the child is listening to a story that the mother, as the mother watches. And another guessed quickly, well, maybe they're just passing time waiting for somebody to come out of the building. And the professor said, no, look closer. You see, the elderly man and the, the young woman, they're listening to the child tell them something. And all signs are there. The, the way the young woman is, is fully and fondly looking at the child, not just the old man, but specifically at the child. And the man is watching the child intently. And, and notice the child's hand, they're out in front and he's leaning in and he's, he's smiling and he's saying something and they're engaged fully. And she concludes that communication is happening all the time. We just have to pay attention and be ready to see. We must be watchful and alert just like Sherlock Holmes, noticing things around us that in normal life we, we miss. Now, the person shared this story, points out that the Christian life must be lived this way. 
It's a story that reminds us, reminds us to understand what it means to be on watch and to be on the ready to see what God has to do or to say. And only when we're watchful, only when we're expectant and aware of God, will we actually see God among us. But if we're preoccupied, if we're fearful of the things that are not part of the picture that we call the kingdom of God, we will miss it. Jesus does not want us to be distracted by anything that causes us to fear. He says that we can neither see nor communicate the kingdom if we spend our time fearful about what we have or, or fearful of losing it. And this includes our possessions. It includes our time, but it includes a whole host of things for us. In this one chapter... Jesus addresses those who are afraid of losing their inheritance, afraid for their physical well-being, afraid that they won't have the words to say when it's time to, to tell others the gospel. And in every instance, Jesus says, your possessions, they're not as important to you as you think they are. Nothing, not even death, will separate you from God's love. And when the Holy Spirit, and when you need the Spirit to speak to you, it will. Just trust it. Someone once said that, that they suspected if they reclaimed all the minutes and hours and days that they have sacrificed to worry and fear, they would add many years to their life. Boy, have I found that to be true. So how do we break a cycle of fear? Well, Jesus says to do that, that focus on the kingdom. He says we need to always look up to see that God is among us, even as the storms rage. He says we must be diligent and ready for something good to come. And when the kingdom come, when it draws near, when God is doing something good, join in. Be a part of it. Don't miss out on it. It's a wedding banquet, right? It's a celebration. Don't miss it. No. This will not always take away the feelings of fear. We will sometimes work our faith out in fear and trembling, but fear does not have to keep us from moving forward. So little flock, what are your fears today? What are you afraid of? And how can God help you rise above it? to see life, and more importantly, to live life more free. Not bound by earning your keep, but bound by the freedom that God already loves you. Whatever that is for you, ask God to help. And if we will, we will see that we are already loved, we already please God, and there's nothing we can do about it. We will see that the kingdom is always right in front of us if we will look for it. And we will learn eventually that there is nothing that we have to fear. And once more, know that we, we come and break bread today. In the breaking of this bread, in the sharing of this cup, the kingdom draws near. It draws close. And I pray we see that. I pray we experience that. And as we come to this table, imagine, no, remember that God meets us here, ties a, 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 an apron around his waist, 
to serve us. But remember above all things that God is pleased in you, wants good for you. And let that teach us how to love one another. And when we can remember this, when we no longer strive for God's love but accept it freely, what we'll also do is we will strive to live and because we are free. Thanks be to God. Amen.